Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Houston Business Journal money and sports reporter Chandler France visits with Gretchen Shear, president of business operations for the NBA Rockets. To begin, could you tell me more about, you know, growing up here in spring and then, you know, I saw that you went to LSU, we're on the diving team, and so tell me about yourself growing up and everything. I did. I grew up here. My, fam- my family's from South Louisiana, but I was raised, I was born there, but I was raised here. Oh, cool. Um, for the most part, my family is, yeah, my family's still here. And I was a gymnast growing up and I wanted to go to LSU and be a gymnast and yeah. then I quit gymnastics, so I couldn't go to LSU and be a gymnast. Mm. And I started diving and... Um, yeah, and I got the opportunity to go to LSU on a scholarship and dive. So oh, I, that's awesome. Yeah, so I did that and um, and then kind of lucked into a sports job. I okay. took a class. I took a live event marketing class, and I was a business major. Okay. And so I took a marketing elective, took a live event class. We got to throw a party at a bar for oh, a football cool. team as a pep rally. Nice. And my and I was the like captain of the project, and my professor was like very good at event management. Yeah. Did you know? And I was like, you can throw parties at bars for a living? <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. So she's like, have you ever thought about, you know, sports marketing or going mm. into the sports world? And I said no. And I ended up getting a job um, out of college uh, in this marketing role for a minor league indoor soccer team okay. in Houston called the Houston Hotshots. They no longer <laughs> exist. Okay. My dad's like, don't do that. I'm pretty sure they're going to go away. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to work in sports and I don't want to sell tickets and all the other jobs that I'm getting offered are ticket sales jobs mm-hmm. and I'd rather go do this marketing job. Right. So I did that for the season and then they folded. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> then I took the job selling tickets that yeah. I could have taken before. Um, <laughs> and that was, I, I did an internship in Portland selling tickets after, okay. after that first job. And then the Rockets were hiring a season ticket, someone to sell season tickets. And okay. I got, I got that opportunity. I moved back to Houston and that mm-hmm. was um, we were really bad that year uh, Steve Francis got hurt <laughs> okay. and that led to the following year us drafting drafting Yao but that was mm-hmm. two two year, two seasons before we moved into Toyota Center okay. so I started selling tickets we were moving into Toyota Center so like the landscape of the organization was changing so mm-hmm. we were going from being a tenant in a smaller building that didn't have spaces like this right. to opening up Toyota Center. So our staff was growing. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, new positions were being created, new right. sales departments were being created because there was just different products that weren't available at Compact Center. Right. Um, so I got the opportunity to manage one of kind of the startup sales verticals pretty mm-hmm. early in my in my career on the ticketing side. Uh, we were also uh, moving away from Ticketmaster to our own. We were one of the first professional sports teams to go to a different vendor. Like mm-hmm. They still have a relative monopoly in the space, but yeah. um, at the time definitely did. And so as all of this was growing, we had to also kind of build a private label ticketing system that was able to do all of these things right. and um, and was really involved and intricately involved in in that process. So I got to learn the ticketing side and the technology side yeah. of what is kind of the biggest local revenue stream when you when you operate a sports team. So that helped mm-hmm. that helped open doors and give FaceTime with senior leaders at yeah. the time. Um, I was also managing Tillman's account at the time because okay. <laughs> he is one of our longest tenured season ticket holder. He has a suite mm-hmm. and he has sponsorship all uh-huh. with the Rockets before he 
own the franchise. Right, yeah. Um, and, at, and, and during a large part of my career, I, I managed that relationship. And so I worked closely with his office. So it's kind of funny how it all yeah, yeah, came full circle. And then I just moved into a few different roles um, throughout there, all just mainly kind of revenue, client-facing, customer relations, um, revenue generating for the, for the most part, a little yeah. bit of business analytics and intelligence. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, at the end of last season, the, this role opened up, and yeah. I was fortunate that Tillman had decided through the years of knowing me and working <laughs> yeah. with me and me working for him um, that, yeah, that that, that was going to be a good fit. And so this, yeah. is, this is my second season in this role, awesome. but my 22nd season with, with the, the organization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm going to make sure it's still going cool. I always get really paranoid about that. Um, <laughs> I know, you're like, damn it, it sucked. Yeah. Repeat um, all of that again. Right, yeah. I want to do it in the beginning so I don't make you do the whole thing over. Um, so when you were growing up, when you were doing gymnastics, diving, did you imagine that you were going to have uh, um, a job in sports afterwards? Or kind of what was your idea growing up of your dream job type of thing? I, people ask me that all the time. I don't know. Like, I really <laughs> never thought about it. Okay, like, yeah. And I think that's... That's that's been pretty consistent with my career as well. Mm. Like I just was focused on. I'm really competitive, mm-hmm. um, and anyone that you talk to that knows me will say that. And so I was really competitive gymnast, um, but mm-hmm. was not as good as one would like to be. <laughs> and it was tricky, right? Like yeah. I wasn't going to make the Olympics, so then mm-hmm. what? Um, so I started diving, and so every every kind of segment or moment in my life, I was just focused on being competitive and the best at what I was currently doing. So mm. when it was gymnastics, it was that. When it was diving, it was that. What are my goals? I wanted to go to college. I did that. Yeah. And then in college, I wanted to make sure that I kept my, my scholarship. Yeah. Um, and then when I graduated, then it was like, then I want to get a job. So it really mm-hmm. wasn't until kind of the latter part that I was at school where I really thought that, started thinking about a career. Yeah. Um, I liked math. I remember at one point, <laughs> I thought I might want to be a civil engineer. I'm oh, wow. not even sure I know what they do, but um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I never really thought about jobs yeah. growing up. I, I just didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And even when I started my career here and in and, and the industry, I never really thought about what I wanted to do with that. It mm-hmm. was just, what job do I have? Yeah. How do I do it really well? Mm-hmm. And then how do I get the next job after that? I didn't yeah. really start thinking about a couple steps ahead until mm-hmm. much later in my career. Gotcha. Yeah, and that, I mean, that goes to kind of a question I was going to ask of like, you know, you've been in the Brother Rockets for 20 year, 22 years, um, and you've moved your way up to kind of the why of why you wanted to do that. And it seems like it's, you know, you obviously have career goals, but it's more just like, I want to be the best at what I'm doing. I want to get that next step, whatever that next step may be. Is that is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there were certainly times in my career where I had opportunities to go somewhere else and in in this business you will see that a lot mm-hmm. um you will see people that have you know it, it's small if you want to mm-hmm. run a major sports team in houston or any there, there are not very many options right yeah and that's at any level right mm-hmm. whether you want to run a ticket department or run all of revenue or be the head of marketing or be the head of pr right whatever mm-hmm. job it is there's only a handful of those in your city there's not yeah. 40, 50, 60, hundreds of companies in mm-hmm. X industry. They're very, they're very small. And so yeah. um, when you're focused on that next step in your career, typically you mm-hmm. have to move to take that because mm-hmm. when you are ready, um, it's not always going to open up where you are. And yeah. so you're going to have to look 
somewhere else. And so there, there certainly got to a point in my career where I started to get ready for something else. And mm -hmm. then either an opportunity presented itself and it just didn't make sense to move because it looked good on paper, but it's really yeah. hard in this, in this business to find a stable franchise mm -hmm. in a good market that has great ownership, that's committed to the city, that's in a place that you want to live, mm -hmm. that your family's going to be happy, and you feel like you're going to have a good life, right? Like, yeah. that's a lot of moving parts. And so um, we have that here. We're super fortunate to be in a great building with a historically great franchise, mm -hmm. really awesome ownership, and that yeah. is, that's, those things don't always line up. And so those opportunities, while on paper the title might have been pretty, you know, mm -hmm. might have... Obviously, we're not the right decision because it worked out here, but it, yeah. it just never made sense mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense for other people, but not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's really cool. Um, and so, uh, could you talk a little bit more about what you do in this role, like day-to-day, -day, what, um, yeah, what, what does your day-to-day kind of look like? And, you know, if somebody um, were to ask you, you know, like, how, like, how would I do what you do, you know, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, um, every day is different depending uh -huh. on what it is. So, part of my role is I'm... I think most people see it as kind of the, pre the team president for the Houston Rockets, mm -hmm. um, but we also operate this facility and book this facility. So we will right. host more events that are not basketball games than we will basketball games. Oh, really? So, okay. Um, we op so on the, on the basketball side, it's all things sales, marketing, communication, finance, legal, HR, <laughs> admin, all uh -huh. of the things that go into running any business or any industry. And then separately, we operate the arena. So... Mm -hmm facilities, cleaning, food and beverage service, retail, our suites, booking the event, the concert. We had we have a private event here on Sunday where somebody rented the whole building. We had wow. Carrie Underwood last night, the yeah. day before, you know, two days before we had a Rockets game. And so all of that conversion, you know, 365 days a year is mm -hmm. under my purview. So basically everything yeah. except for uh, – what is happening on the court uh -huh. as it relates to the team <laughs> yeah. and who those players are and uh -huh. all of those decisions belong to the very capable Rafael Stone. Yeah. Um, and then everything else is, is under my purview. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're, you're managing a lot of things. You've got a lot on your plate. Could you talk about kind of your leadership philosophy and how you're able to manage all those things successfully? I mean, it's, I feel like it's been hell. And Tracy can, Tracy can be like, she does not manage them. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, <laughs> um, you know, I I have a lot of institutional knowledge because mm. I've been here for for as long as I've been here. I've right. held a lot of different positions mm -hmm. along the way, and so there's not really an area that I oversee that I didn't at least work with mm. um, in some capacity during during my tenure. And right. so, with that, I think comes kind of an innate um, uh, trust and understanding that people kind of at least our team knows that I've been there and done that and that right. I under that I understand the challenges that are there um you know I I expect kind of greatness uh -huh. um greatness isn't always isn't always feasible but mm. um I'm really competitive and I want this building to be the best and I want our fan experience to be the best and I want our staff to have the best environment to work in and the most opportunities to grow their career and whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, but those things only happen if everyone is giving like a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So um, we work hard, we play hard, but we have um, pretty high standards and expectations. And I think yeah. that I, and I think people 
have seen me and my career here long enough to know that that's the standard that I hold myself to mm-hmm. and that I've always held myself to. Um, and so I hope that that is, that that is the expectation. In, yeah, in group here. absolutely. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, this being kind of a, a, um, an easy next step for you. Like this was the next rung on the ladder type of thing. And then having all the institutional knowledge of all the different moving parts and everything, did that make the transition into this role easier because you already had kind of an idea of, Hey, like I've done a lot of this stuff before, even though maybe not directly, kind of indirectly, and you're in the know of that stuff. Yeah, I think in some ways it definitely made it made it easier in the sense that it was um, I was familiar with everything that even if it was a new even if it was new under my purview, I was familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the areas where it's hard is when I when I um, was had the opportunity to go in this position. It was a very crazy time, right? It was. During COVID, mm-hmm. um, there was massive amounts of change yeah. on the basketball side, on the team side. My predecessor, who had been here for a long time, had left. You know, we had our team was brand new. We had gone from pre-COVID to having the longest uh, streak in the NBA of playoff appearances. Mm-hmm. We had been historically great. There right. was no, the organization literally had no data on what happens when you have the worst record in the league. Like, mm. I don't know. That has not happened before. Yeah. Um, and so uh, coming into that, that institutional knowledge, while helpful, when you have to look at the business, the brand, the future, you're coming out of COVID, you're going mm-hmm. back to hosting live events, all of those things, having a completely fresh set of eyes yeah. it is also very helpful during that time period. Uh-huh. And so um, one of the challenges that for, for myself and that I put with all of our staff that was that was tenured was like, we have to... How do you forget what you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget all what you know, uh-huh. but but take but to make sure that we are looking at this at a completely fresh set of eyes. And yeah. like every business, we certainly had turnover during um dur- you know over 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 the pandemic. Prior mm-hmm. to that, after that, particularly when you you know go from not hosting you know people in your building when that is something that you do night after night after night after right. night, and then it comes back to that, and people go, you know what, maybe this isn't the lifestyle or the career choice that I want. And so mm. we really use that opportunity. So when we had the chance to bring on new and different staff members, we tried to bring people in that had a different set of experience and a different set of eyes. So having a, having the right balance of new folks to the organization with tenured folks to make sure yeah. that we are taking what has made us historically great, bringing that to this next side and this ne- next chapter, but mm. also making sure that we have enough staff, enough leadership, and enough people that have totally fresh sets of eyes that can see opportunities that may be we've missed through the years. Mm-hmm, definitely. And you spoke earlier about, you know, being very competitive, um, inspecting greatness from yourself. <laughs> but um, what motivates you? Like, what gets you out of bed every morning? Um, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, uh-huh. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I like doing new things. I like mm. being a part of challenges. I like solving problems that you know, people think can't be solved. Yeah. Um, you know, we are not, I, I love basketball. It's yeah. like by far a, my favorite professional sport that exists. Yeah. Part of which I didn't play. And uh-huh. it's really fun to watch. Like it's yeah. not that hard. There's five players on the court from each team. It's really uh-huh. fast place. You know, they either you make a basket, a basket or they don't yeah, make a basket. Exactly. <laughs> the rules aren't overly complicated. Yeah. And there's a lot of entertainment that happens yeah. throughout all of it. And oh, by the way, we host a lot of concerts, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really, but I'm not like, I'm not a hoop junkie at heart. Mm. Um, 
I love kind of Olympic sports. Like, that's it. So yeah. the ability for me to separate kind of what happens on the court and the wins and the losses and the players and all of that mm. from the business side of it while respecting it, owning it, loving it, being a huge fan of it, yeah. um, I think is, like, it creates a new... Um, you know, a different a different look because not everybody yeah. in my role is is like that. It's really easy to get caught up in um, the parts that you can't mm-hmm. that you can't control. Yeah. Um, sure. So what motivates me is all of those other areas that we can control, and yeah. how do we make that the best that we that we can, knowing that it's only going to get better when we win because winning makes everything better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of fun questions, and this first one's kind of loaded, okay. but oh, no. do you have a favorite Rockets moment so far? I know you've been here many, many years, but yes. is there something? Okay, great. Yes. I, I mean, I have a lot of favorite Rockets moments. Yeah. Um, my historical favorite moment is, so um, my mom was a therapeutic special ed um, teacher, and we have tickets that we, you know, that we have that... Um, don't, that we donate to community groups mm-hmm. and back in, I'm going to forget the year, December 9, 2004, December 9, 2005. It had to have been 2005. <laughs> McGrady's 13 and 35. So, so we're playing the Spurs. My mom's school um, had the ability to take these kids to a game that otherwise would have never coincidence come to yeah. the game. They were sitting up here in this section. Like you okay. can't see it right there. Okay, yeah. It's right outside of where my old office was to come out. Uh-huh. It's towards the end of the game. It was a good, it was a good game. Like we were yeah. at the time. Yao and Tracy were on there and we were mm-hmm. playing the Spurs and they were great at the time. Yeah. And we were getting destroyed and everybody had left the building. Like yeah. nobody was here. I mean there was I don't know, I'm gonna say four four or five thousand people left at the end of the game. Yeah. And you know, there's less than a minute left and I'm sitting with my mom, right? Mm-hmm. And and all of these all these students who get this opportunity to watch this game, which is another reason why I love I love kind of what what we do. Mm-hmm. And McGrady scores 13 points in 35 seconds. Right. Um, and you know, and we go on to win the game. And it's a buzzer mm-hmm. beater, and like just to be like in that moment where it was so loud and there was not very many people here. Right. Yeah. And that and to me, it just like it was a reminder. It brought like everything together of why I love live sports and entertainment is because. One, like, just the camaraderie that everybody feels that are there. Mm-hmm. Two, like, the memories that get created that you will never forget. Yeah. Three, like, you get to provide experience to people that otherwise would not be able to do it. And then mm-hmm. the final thing is, like, when you're in live sports entertainment, like, you never know on any given night what you're going to get to see. And this is a yeah. night where people kind of, like, gave up hope mm-hmm. and left and something amazing happened. And I yeah. just feel like there's, like, life lessons in that like yeah, you don't yeah. ever give up you always finish the game like if you knew who was going to win before it started they would never play the game right, and so yeah. those are just you know getting through that adversity is is big so that's awesome um that was big and then my other favorite moment which is like kind of crazy was the night that like we were supposed to play um on my birthday and we did not <laughs> during the during the shortened covid season oh yeah um and, you know, it was just so long, and we only had, you know, we were only allowed to have 3,000 people in the building, mm-hmm. and we ended up playing, um, you know, a week later was our next home game. And so just, even though, like, there was hardly any people here, even though the game experience felt so different to, yeah. like, be in the building after, like, going through a bubble and not having to do it and dealing with all mm-hmm. of that and seeing all of that come that was, together. Was that the first game of fans after COVID? That was the first game of fans after COVID in okay. December of, of the end of, of 2020. Gotcha. It was supposed to be, it was a week later than it was supposed to be because we had to postpone the game. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So that was a good one. And then, yeah, there, there's, there's a ton. There's yeah. a ton. Toyota Center moment would have been UFC 262. Oh, that cool. was May 15th, 2021. It was, mm-hmm. um, that was the first, uh, that was the first indoor full capacity event. Oh, really? I'm going to say post-COVID and put it in quotes. Yeah. Here it was post-COVID. It was maybe not post-COVID everywhere. Right, yeah. Um, and Toyota Center hosted it, and our team hosted it, and there was no blueprint mm-hmm. on how to do that. And yeah. we were the first building, indoor indoor building, yeah. to, to come back at this level at full capacity. Yeah. Um, cool. and so, yeah, so those, were probably, those would be my three. Yeah. But the 13 and 35 was my first. Yeah. Have you heard those? I'm so good. Right? <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Was, yeah. I know. Yeah. That's the ticketing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's only because of the, t- it's worse now. I don't know game dates like I used to, but when you have to do as many budgets and as many game mm-hmm. projections and as many dates, like of how many days that we had and as many run-ups on sales on, yeah. on particular, you remember the home game schedule. Road game schedule, I'm terrible about. Home game <laughs> schedule, I know. Yeah. Gretchen Shear joining us. In our next segment, she reveals what it's like to hold a high-profile role in a male-dominated profession. When Texas Business Minds continues. Texas Mutual Insurance Company cares about your injured employees as much as you do. With our proactive and compassionate workers' comp claims handling, taking care of your people is how we take care of your business. Business is better with Texas Mutual. What does it mean like for you to be a, a woman in sports and have this such a high position in a field that's typically dominated by men? Yeah, I mean, obviously that that's that's a popular um, question. Yeah, and question and topic, right? Right, right. Ask, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's it's. Um, so when I was coming up in the industry in Houston, Pam Gardner was the president of the Astros, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you think about kind of representation and what's possible, like it never. You know, again, like I didn't travel, I didn't move around in my career. Right, like my, yeah. my my sports entertainment career was kind of based in Houston, and what I saw was a woman down the street, yeah, running a team. Like so, in some way, that maybe made it feel less um, uh, intimidating, yeah. right? Because you saw it someone. It maybe it didn't feel like a yeah. ceiling was there, right? You saw someone that did that. I mean, coming up in my career um, in the NBA has has done has done wonders I feel is, is very progressive and has done a wonderful job at a league level probably better than anyone um, from a diversity standpoint mm-hmm. both for women and from um, people of color and you know but I, I came up on the sales side right and there there are a lot of women that are in this industry and so when people say what does it feel like I'm like half our staff is women right mm-hmm. it doesn't so when people say it's male dominated I'm like not like walk around our office like yeah. it's never felt male dominated right uh-huh. what that means is that the people in leadership and in yeah. decision making people were more likely men mm. but there have always been an immense amount of women around yeah. around our office and this is the culture that was before me and and there and so I, I came up on the sales side I would go to league meetings there was plenty of times where it's you know you're at you're with all 30 teams and mm-hmm. it's the heads of ticketing or the heads of whatever and you know early in my career it was like Yep, nope, I'm the only woman, right? Mm. Or there'd be people from the league or maybe one or two more and there's a handful. And yeah. sometimes that was, um, everybody knew my name, right? Because yeah. it's 
there. So that's, you know, that, that certainly could be an advantage. But if I said something or did something or wasn't as successful, it was going to get noticed a lot mm. more, right, than yeah. somebody who maybe can can blend in. And so one of the things here is just making, you know, it's harder to fill positions when mm. you take your time. Because usually when you have to fill a position, you needed it filled yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why the position is open. Mm. But making sure that we are interviewing a large, diverse slate of candidates yeah. um, so that we can make sure that we are bringing the best person um, into into the role. And then at any given point, I use this example all the time, so when you're a gymnast or you're a diver, you're learning a new skill. Like, you don't just mm-hmm. go to 10 meter and throw a front three and a half, right? <laughs> you, like, have to learn to do a front flip, then a front mm-hmm. one and a half, and then you take it up, and then you do a two and a half, and then mm-hmm. eventually you take it up to a 10 meter platform. Yeah. And so, like, if you don't... and just a little diving background. So there's a one meter springboard, a three meter springboard, five meter platform, seven and a half meter platform, 10 meter platform, right? Uh-huh. So you kind of have to learn everything along the way. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't have a skill on seven and a half, if you don't have a skill on five, if you don't have a skill on three or on one that's ready to be taken up, you're not like, when are you going to throw a new dive on 10 meter, right? Yeah. So making sure that as, as, as an industry, we have women on every level of the platform mm-hmm. that are ready to move up is the only way that women are going to succeed and have more positions in this role. Um, And it's only been, I would say, in the last handful of years that that's been an aggressive um, outlook where people are really, you know, committed to ensuring that that these opportunities exist. The challenge is going to be, well, if you haven't done the work yeah. <laughs> before that, you've got to, how do you play catch up and mm-hmm. how do you make sure that that's, that's what you're doing? That's something that I'm really proud yeah. of here. Let's transition now into kind of business, okay. more business stuff. Can you talk about like the business strategy for the Rockets and kind of building a brand here in Houston and, you know, building that fan base and everything? This is the 55th year of the Rockets franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, started in San Diego, came to Houston, right? And so there are decades upon decades upon decades of historical brand work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we feel very confident that we are an organization and a franchise that is known for kind of championship caliber DNA. Like yeah. this team, this organization has performed at a very high level for a very long time. Um, so, you know, right now from a business standpoint, it's to make sure that we lean into that history, that legacy of greatness. Mm-hmm. Um while we are built, you know, on a court standpoint, rebuilding the foundation for the future. Right. And we have really good, great young players, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a journey to watch them get to that next level. So right now, yeah. from a business standpoint, it's how do we tell the story of these players? How do mm-hmm. we make sure that they feel connected, like they were drafted here? Yeah, They're going to be really good, and we want them to stay here. So mm-hmm. how do we make sure that they are connected to our city? How do we make sure that our city is connected to them, invested in their in their success? Um, I firmly believe that when you are a part of a journey from the beginning, um, like everything's going to be sweeter yeah. when, when you get there. I think totally. that we are seeing that, you know, with our friends down the street who, you know, 10 years ago went through um, – something a little similar where they were rebuilding like a very yeah. young team and people were like, I think they're going to be really good. And you see mm-hmm. the fruits of that labor um, pay off. And so, you know, from, from that standpoint, at the end of the day, we are a basketball team. Yeah. People want to have fun when they're here, but they mm-hmm. also want to see us win. Um, yeah. And that doesn't happen overnight. And we're really confident in the vision that Tillman has set and his commitment to making sure that he is investing in the team, in mm-hmm. our fans, in their experience, and the work that Rafael and Coach 
are doing. Um, and we get to have a little bit of fun along the way. Yeah. We get to market and tell stories about our players in a way that when you have players that everybody knows, mm-hmm. they already know them. So right. what else am I going to tell you about <laughs> a global superstar that everybody knows? Right. When you have these players that are on the rise, we get to do really fun things with them. Right. Mm. So we've done documentaries where we highlighted what Jalen's first year was like and mm-hmm. we got to tell the story and Jalen got to see it and like watching him like as soon as he finished watching it he was like this is during the off season he was like when does the season start like, yeah. I'm ready yeah. I'm ready to go again and we get to deliver that to our fans and that's a behind the scenes look at a player that they wouldn't get to see mm-hmm. if that player was a veteran or more established yeah. we were able to do the same thing with Jay Sean Tate we did the same thing with Kevin Porter Jr. we were mm-hmm. able to tell coach Silas had a 20-year journey to become a head coach and we were able to tell that and so we're able to deliver that to the fans Josh Christopher loves fashion we were able to do <laughs> a retail capsule with him yeah. and bring you know his personality to our fans and let our fans kind of show him the love and support of what he is passionate about outside outside of the game and mm-hmm. really kind of build that connection with with our fans and our players so that when we get to this next level they're gonna be like they remember you know it's like yeah. it's like watching your kid grow up uh-huh. so. yeah so it sounds like it's almost an opportunity to you know the Rockets already have a brand but kind of rebuild that brand around some of these young players that are being developed from the team and the basketball perspective yeah and and it helps them like understand the story of of the Rockets and who came before them. And, you know, this franchise has been, like I said, been around for 55 years. There have been many people who have sat in my chair. There have been many coaches. There have been hundreds and hundreds of players who have come through. There have been different GMs. There have been different heads of media. There have been, there have been different everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we've been in the city and we have this fan base and there is this kind of commonality and connection that exists. And so being able to celebrate kind of the fifth the, this this milestone as mm-hmm. a franchise and watching these young players who are the next chapter of this franchise learn about who came before them yeah. is really fun to watch. Thanks to Houston Rockets president of business operations Gretchen Shear for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.